The notes had usually lost their stickiness, detaching from their original surface and falling to the floor where they'd be rescued and dumped on the table. As they unstuck from the fridge or cupboard or counter, their significance became unstuck too. They'd be found days later, meaningless, amongst the takeout pizza menus, the labels cut from new clothes, the milk bill, the free paper, the spare keys. The table required a system, and I had one. Music first. In the absence of Elliot's commentary, I could listen to anything I wanted. I started with Bowie, Ziggy Stardust. At seventeen, I'd listened to the album constantly. I was years too late. The charts stuffed with hit factory clones by the time I discovered it. But most nights, I'd fall asleep with Ziggy on my record player, waking in the morning to that vinyl heartbeat, the needle skating round the edge of the label. Waste paper basket brought through from the lounge, paper recycling box from outside the back door, both put next to the table for easy access. I cleared a space in front of me. I was very good at this. The system had taken years to perfect, and I could usually get through a substantial pile before Moon Age daydreams started. The work needed a certain decisiveness. I cleared enough space for two piles, in-tray and redistribute, and started sorting through. The rule was that everything had to be filed the first time I looked at it. Letter from school, in-tray. Election leaflet? Recycle. Flyer about self-defense glasses. You have a right to feel safe. I wavered, thinking of Martha. At fourteen, old enough to need them. I stuck it on the in-tray. Charity plastic sack binned. Hair grip redistributed. And so on. When I heard Moon Age Daydream... I was back in my teenage bedroom, lying still in the dark, the room around me, blocks of grey and black, a sliver of light under the blind. The record was quiet enough that my parents couldn't hear, and if I put on my school uniform in the morning, it was only so I could fool them that I wasn't the one who'd made earth fall the night before in platforms and a cat suit, my hair feathered, glitter on my cheeks. I looked up and saw myself reflected in the darkened windows, which gave out onto the garden, my face bisected by the strut of the window frame. I was wearing one of Elliot's T-shirts, adorned with a logo he'd done for a client. That was what he designed. Logos, websites, stuff like that. Packaging, sometimes. This one was for a manufacturer of posh hairbrushes, and it reminded me of the kind of drawing Elliot used to do, back when he was going to be an artist. Stylized locks of hair, curling, Beardsley-ish, across my left breast. My own hair was pulled back into a ponytail, fastened with one of the red elastic bands which the postman used to wrap our letters with. I thought about falling asleep at seventeen. I thought about waking up at forty-two. By the time Starman came on, 
I'd sorted the lot, and the redistribute pile needed to be put away. I scooped it up, but a set of keys slithered under my arm and fell with a crash. When I retrieved them, a book toppled from the pile, landing face down on the floor, so that I had to lower myself gingerly to pick it up. Hey, Martha, love ya, girl, the inscription said on the flyleaf. It was signed in a scrawl, Isabel K. Rogers, written underneath in neat capitals. I'd seen the cover everywhere, Soviet-style block lettering, a yellow insignia. All the kids were reading it this year. Used copies had started to come into the shop already. I climbed the stairs, and I could see it even before I reached the landing. My daughter.